Hey everyone, this is Eric, and welcome to the CBC Podcast, Behind the Pulpit. This podcast is going to be slightly different than our usual weekly podcast. We started a brand new series this Sunday called Kings, which is a continuation of our five-year journey through the Old Testament. In order to bring you up to speed and, and fill you in, this will be the first of two podcasts where we will summarize what we've covered so far. So today, Brandon and I will be discussing Exodus. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. All right. Well, I'm here with Brandon once again. Brandon, welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for all of you who are uh, listening to kind of a special podcast. It's it's different than what we've normally done. As we mentioned in our previous podcast, um, uh, we begin a, a new series, a kind of a continuation of an Old Testament journey that we began a, a couple years ago and, and we're planning to do for another couple years. And, and we thought it would just be helpful. To, to be able to provide a summary, to get you up to speed and recap uh, what we covered so far. Um, so today, uh, we're going to uh, kind of go back to the beginning, really. Uh, it's the Exodus series, but we're going to go back to, to Genesis, and uh, we're going to have Brandon uh, just kind of bring us up to speed and tell us uh, what happens in the beginning and, and what happens uh, in Exodus. Uh, before we get started, um, I want to tell you that uh, I'm really excited for this. It's it's going to be really good. And the reason I know that it's going to be really good <laughs> is because we actually recorded it already once, and then I accidentally deleted it. <laughs> and in that first one, I was just amped up and excited, blown away by what Brandon has to share, or had to share, but now has to share again. Um, so... Definitely excited for that, and you're in for a real treat uh, by tuning in. Uh, something also just as uh, kind of a side note, uh, we want you to engage in this conversation. So if you ever have any questions about anything, if something you hear is confusing, uh, if, if there's something that you may even disagree with, uh, we want to hear that. Uh, we want to be able to dialogue with you that this isn't just something that we're, we're talking and we want you to listen, but to engage in a conversation. So if something like that happens, you can always, always, you can always talk to us in person. You can always send us an email, but you can also submit questions via the app in which we will answer it in the following podcast. And, and that's something we, we want. So please uh, don't hesitate to submit those uh, at any time. Uh, so with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and jump in. So uh, Brandon kind of uh, catch us up of what happens, Genesis... Exodus. Okay, so kind of the basic plot is when we pick up in Exodus, you know, Israel's in slavery to Pharaoh uh, under the Egyptian, this Egyptian king. And so obviously in order to understand Exodus, we, we do need to go back, as you said, to Genesis to kind of figure out how they get there. And I think especially what does it mean that they're there? Mm. And so Really kind of the story officially begins in Genesis 12 with Abraham. Now in Genesis 1 and 2, obviously you have creation, Adam and Eve. Genesis 3, you have the fall. And, you know, just this introduction of the problem of sin. That because of sin, we're separated from God and kind of disconnected from this purpose that we have. And so from Genesis 4 to 11, it's just kind of this you know, picture of, of human sinfulness. You have events like Noah's Ark, where things get so bad that God has to kind of start over. You have the Tower of Babel. And mm. so there's just this question sitting there of like, what's God going to do? How is gonna, God going to deal with, you know, just 
the fact that sin is running rampant. And so we get a glimpse starting in Genesis 12 of, of what God's going to do. And it begins with this call of Abraham, who's, you know, not anyone special. There's nothing super unique about him, but God just kind of calls him and says, hey, I, I want you to go to this land. I want you to go to Canaan and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation and I'm going to bless the nations through you. And kind of at this point, we're just kind of seeing the start of, you know, God reinstituting his purpose for people, right? Mm. Like I'm going to be in relationship with you. Mm. I'm going to um, love you. I'm going to take care of you. And then I'm going to, you know, call you for this purpose. And so, yeah, there's this whole journey uh, of the patriarchs in Genesis, starting with Abraham and then his son, Isaac, and then his son, Jacob. And then uh, finally you get to Jacob's sons, including Joseph. And if you guys remember the story, Joseph's brothers uh, sell him to into slavery and he ends up in Egypt. By mm. God's sovereignty, he becomes a ruler in Egypt and brings all of his family, all of his people to Egypt to save them from this, this great famine in Canaan. And so when we start Exodus, um, you've got this whole history of Abraham's calling, the people initially being, them initially going to Canaan, but then them coming to Egypt um, because of Joseph. And initially that's good, right? Like mm -hmm. they're rescued, things are good there. But over time, after Joseph dies, uh, other pharaohs come to power. Israel ends up j just being another group that's enslaved by the Egyptians. And so when we start Exodus, it's basically like things are really bad. You know, they're in slavery. And yet they kind of remember, you know, this promise, right? They remember this idea that God, God called them to something great and God mm -hmm, called them yeah. to be a great nation and this this whole purpose that they have and they're trying to figure out where is God what what's happening why is this happening and so Exodus is kind of this really powerful narrative that reestablishes once again um, God's relationship with Israel um, first by um, rescuing them so kind of the first half of Exodus is just God getting Israel out of Exodus. And so you have kind of events like, you know, him calling Moses through the burning bush. Mm -hmm. And then Moses and his brother Aaron go to Pharaoh, let my people go. There's a <laughs> series of, of 10 plagues. And then um, finally, Pharaoh lets the people go, changes his mind, chases after them. And that's when you have the, the crossing of the, the Red Sea. Pharaoh's forces are wiped out. And the people are free. And so that's kind of act one mm -hmm. of Exodus. It's just this deliverance narrative. And so that's obviously a really important yeah. story of just God saying, hey, I, I still got you. I'm still with you. And then kind of the second half is God saying, I've, again, I'm going to reconnect you to this purpose. I'm going to show you how to live. I'm going to show you what it means mm -hmm. to be my people. Um, so... You know, I'm going to provide for you manna, you know, in the morning. And then I'm going to give you the law to, to show you how to live. And then I'm going to begin this process of leading you back to this promised land. Back mm -hmm. to the land I promised Abraham. So that's kind of the basic plot of Exodus is taking you out um, 
in order to rebuild you and reestablish mm-hmm. you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. You just summarized like 60 chapters of the Bible <laughs> in five minutes. And um, like I said last time to you, I'm just amazed that you just can talk freely without notes, just on the fly, <laughs> uh, all this stuff. Um, so talk about some of the significant moments, events uh, in Exodus. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this after we recorded the first one, <laughs> is that Exodus is amazing in that almost actually everything is mm. a important event. Mm-hmm. And really, when you think about some of the great stories in the biblical narrative, yeah, a lot of them come from Exodus. It really is. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, for you know, for the Jewish people, it was their paradigm for salvation. You know, this is what it meant Mm, to be saved, for God to deliver them um, the way we think about Jesus is the way they thought about the Exodus. And that's that's how significant it is. Um, That's awesome. I mean, I never even I mean, as you're saying it, it makes perfect sense. But sometimes for us, right, you look at the Old Testament, the early chapters, and it's just like, oh, it's just a story. Mm -hmm. But to say, hey, the Exodus, that's. It's it's a hi- it's the highlight, yeah. You know, for and it makes sense, yeah. Yeah. If you were, yeah, if you were to ask, you know, an ancient Israelite hundreds of years later, like, hey, what's your, whatever the Hebrew equivalent for gospel is, yeah, they would have said, oh yeah, Egypt, Egypt. You know, when, yeah. when we came out, when God delivered us, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, all that to say that it's like it's such a rich book, um. And it's, it's worth rereading. And, and I was kind of yeah. thinking that I wish, you know, I'm glad we're re-recording it. So I can say that now is, you know, as we head into um, the, the King's era, I just feel like rereading Exodus every once in a while. It's like, mm. man, you, you don't ever get a better picture of just how awesome God is and yeah. how much he loves his people. Mm. Having said that, I mean, there are obviously some um, events that are, are bigger than others. Um, I would say... The huge one, at least in that deliverance narrative, the two huge ones are first the plagues and then the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and the plagues are huge because I, I mentioned this a little bit in the sermon on Sunday is it's this kind of reestablishing God as God, God mm-hmm. as king. You know, and you realize, right, that when, you know, God sends Moses to, to deliver the people and to you know, tell Pharaoh, let my people go, all that, you know, we kind of want to believe that all of Israel is like, all right, yeah, like God's back, you know, Yahweh. And, and some of them obviously were, Mm -hmm. but we're talking about hundreds of years since they had really been, you know, truly like God's people. And, Mm -hmm. And many of them had, kind of fallen in with Egyptian religion, Mm -hmm. Egyptian customs, probably a lot of them worshiped Egyptian gods. Yeah. And so, you know, for God to come in and and have this awesome demonstration of power and sovereignty, um, this is one of the messages that I gave um, when we did this series was the message on plagues. And one of the coolest things about this kind of confrontation is that it's not just you know, God doing these really awful things to the Egyptians. It's mm-hmm. not just like, well, let me think of the worst possible plagues mm-hmm. so that they get so frustrated and so beaten down that they let Israel go. He's actually very specifically 
challenging the gods of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, so a great example of this is like the plague of frogs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that just uh, seems really gross. I'm yeah. like, oh, there's frogs in my bed. And, you know, we think yeah. about like the movies or whatever clips we've seen of that. Um, but the f- frogs obviously, you know, were representative of, um, you know, th- them being in like the water and in the, the commerce ways was, was a big deal. But also there was an Egyptian god who had the appearance of a frog. Mm. And this, I don't remember exactly what he was, um, you know, what he was responsible for. But when you think about in the context of that religion and you have this God who looks like a frog and is kind of God of frogs and God says, I'm going to wreak havoc upon you with frogs. Mm -hmm. And you've got this Egyptian God of frogs who can't do anything about it. That's such a great example of God reasserting. I'm the guy, all Mm -hmm. these other gods here, like they're powerless against me. And then you think about other things like light and darkness Mm -hmm. and even, you know, the, the plague of the death of the firstborn son, like I'm the God of life. Like I hold your lives in my hands. And so obviously he's, he's showing that to Pharaoh, like I'm more powerful than your gods. But I think even more importantly, he's showing that to his people. Mm. He's saying, I am God. I'm the one who, um, you know, you should worship and you should follow. And so, Again, as I said in the message, there's just this whole repeating of of the creation narrative here. Mm. In the same way that him making the universe out of nothing and showing his power over everything is the ultimate claim mm-hmm. to him as king. This is kind of the same thing. I'm, yeah. I'm I have power over nature. I have power over these false gods. I have power over life and death and trade and commerce and everything in your life is under my authority. Mm-hmm. So I'm king. Yeah. And so I think that's such a powerful, powerful um, moment in Israel's history. And um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a huge starting point. Yeah. And I mean, just sorry to cut you off, no, but it just came to mind is just the amount of the care, the kindness, the compassion, the, the God going out of his way to reveal to his people who he is. Yeah. Right? That yeah. they can trust him. Right. Cause you're right. I mean, generations have passed it's hard to know how much do they even know about Yahweh god right yeah so for him to come and not just save them not just deliver them not just punish pharaoh and the people but to to show the israelite people the kind of god he is right yeah like you said he he is the one true god and i think so many times even in our situation where you know you hear people say right like i wish god would show me yeah who he is right and it's like that is a god he is a god who shows himself yeah as he is and we see it in the very beginning right with with israelites yeah that's a great point i think one of the themes of the old testament is just the grace of like Mm self-revelation and when you contrast the the our god with these false gods right like one of the things that we see in like other religions is these gods are far away they Mm -hmm. don't reveal you don't know what they're like, what they want from you, how they really want you. You're just kind of guessing. Yeah. Well, I think maybe I'm supposed to kill this thing and maybe that'll make this God happy. Or Mm -hmm. maybe I'm supposed to do this. Or maybe God is like this. And and let's just guess. We'll make a God look like a frog or a bull or this. But God says, no, this is exactly who I am. Yeah. And and so that's that's an awesome That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, plagues is a big event. Um, Obviously, after that, crossing the Red Sea, um, 
that's kind of this again like i said it's this deliverance moment this obviously awesome demonstration mm-hmm. of power but um it it kind of even like there are connections that the new testament writers make between that and baptism right mm-hmm. is that them coming coming through the water and kind of coming out kind of clean and yeah. renewed and um you know with life and, and purpose and so yeah th- i think those are the kind of the big events of the the mm-hmm. first act of exodus and then i would say you know the the biggest thing in the second half is is the giving of the law mm-hmm. you know so exodus 20 the 10 commandments and you know, this is really significant because, you know, again, like God isn't just saving them to save them. He's saving them because he, he has a purpose for them. Like he's, you know, continuing to fill this long-term plan to create a people who are going to help him deal with this problem of sin, yeah. you know. And so this is something we talked about a lot in that series is, you know, we can look at the law as like, well, just the rules that they're supposed to follow or, you know, we look at it as like legalism. Like mm-hmm. God is saying, this is how to be saved or or this is, you have to do this in order to earn my love and favor. And that's actually not how it's, it's framed at all in Exodus is, as I said, you know, this deliverance event is God saying, I have saved you. Yeah. I've made you my people. I've delivered you. You know, I'm for you. And what the Ten Commandments and, and the law in general is, is, hey, let me show you how to live. Let mm-hmm. me show you how to be my people. Let me show you how to live in holiness. Not so that I'll love you. I've already shown you my love for you, but so that you can do and be everything I've called you to do and be. So mm-hmm. that you can um, experience me fully, experience like the power and, and the, yeah. you know the life of a relationship with me. And then ultimately you know, as we're going to talk about, be a, a light to the nations so that you can, you know, be my representative. You can go out and, and do my will and, and, and spread mm-hmm. who I am to the rest of the world. And so I think that's a really important idea um, that carries through for the next several books in the Old Testament story, mm-hmm. even Leviticus and Deuteronomy, which is, you know, how important it is to God that we you know, just live according to how he wants us to live and how yeah. he, how he thinks the best way to live is and how we can be who we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say those are kind of the main ones. Obviously there's, like I said, other huge yeah. highlights, you know, even the building of the tabernacle, right? Like mm. I'm present with you. God's yeah. presence uh, with his people is such a important theme in Exodus. Yeah. That's such great insight. And it's so easy for us to miss that, right? That, the law, it's its not so you they can be saved. Like, right. he's already saved them. And everything you described, he's gone to great lengths to, to save them, to reveal himself to them, to show them that he's with them, that he's for them. And it's out of that context comes the law, yeah, right? Yeah. And to, to see it from that perspective. And if we could just put ourselves in, in their shoes and kind of walk along that journey, it, it it gives us a clearer understanding, right, of why God commands stuff. Yeah, commands yeah. things. Yeah, and I think it's it's always cool when we see more continuity between the Old Testament mm-hmm. and the New Testament. Yeah, um, you know, if you think about the Old Testament as just pure works righteousness, well, you keep the law, and then God will show His favor to you. 
And then it's completely different in the New Testament. It's mm-hmm. just kind of confusing. Yeah. But when you see that, well, I mean, God's God's working in the same way. And there's different mechanisms, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's obviously better in the New Testament because we have Jesus, you know, to kind of be the one who ultimately is our righteousness and is our holiness. Yeah. And, and the standard isn't quite so high, but it's it's not a completely different story mm-hmm. it's a continuation yeah. and an improvement of the same story mm-hmm. which i think is helpful for us in just knowing god and trusting in a god who's yeah. always the same mm-hmm. and who mm-hmm. is always good and always gracious and always loving but always kind of calling us to, to more you know? yeah and so i think like if we only look at the old testament as like holy living and we look at the New Testament as grace, mm-hmm. then I think we miss grace in the Old Testament and holy living in the New Testament. And we've separated things that always go together yeah. for God and his people. And I think, you know, that's that's part of the conversation that we're having in yeah. this series mm-hmm. and this idea of God as king is that those things, you, you can't separate them from who God is and who he wants us to be. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense now when it says God's the same yesterday, today, right. forever. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you hit the major th- t- uh, events and, you know, I think you've talked a lot implications of that, but kind of big picture theme then, what's what's the, the major theme of Exodus? Yeah. I mean, I would say when we did the series uh, two and a half years ago, the tagline that we used, and we borrowed this from the Village Church, that's Matt Chandler's church, and they did a series on Exodus that was kind of the inspiration for ours. But the phrase they use that we borrowed is God draws us out to draw mm-hmm. us in. And it's so simple, but mm-hmm. I but I love again that it's it's this larger story that begins in Exodus, but is part of our story too. Yeah. Is that, you know, God the reason why he rescues them from slavery, the reason why he brings them out of Egypt is so that because he wants to be with them. He wants to be in relationship with them. And so, you know, when we did the series before, we really tried to emphasize that, that drawing us in theme, you know, yeah. this idea of God, um, of, of God being a relational God, even in the Old Testament. I would say now as we're kind of, you know, putting some other things together and, and viewing the Old Testament through this, I think, even more expanded lens of like this purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I think the thing I would add now is that you know, he's drawing us into a relationship with him, but he's also reconnecting us to the purpose he had for yeah. us. And mm-hmm. I remember when we did the series, because we were focusing so heavily on the relational aspect, um, there were just a couple key themes and phrases and, and, and passages that I could tell were really important, but I didn't know how to totally contextualize within mm that emphasis Mm -hmm. and now that we're talking about things more along the lines of you know who god is calling us to be and what he's calling us to do and just this mission that we have as his people i'm seeing how that that makes sense Mm -hmm. and so things like this idea that like you know you're gonna be a kingdom of priests a holy nation like my special possession that like i'm i'm recommissioning you to enter into this story that began in genesis 3 technically genesis one the story right Mm -hmm. of like creating this world that i've i've designed you to live in um that's very present in um in exodus from even before uh 
I think it's Exodus 6, before he even takes them out of Egypt, he tells them why. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And like, I have something for you. You I have something for you to do. And so, yeah. So the relational component, totally still true. I think that's, that's definitely the emphasis. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't elevate the other above that. Um, But I would say that's, it's it's beginning to establish that too mm-hmm. in, in a really cool way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think it's just like you said, it's both. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's together, right? The, the relationship and the purpose, it goes hand in hand and to yeah. be able to, I mean, I just think even for us, right, we're oftentimes wrestling with like, God, what's your plan for my life? Mm-hmm. But to be able to step back and, and go to the beginning and say, you know what? There was a plan and purpose from the beginning. Right. Yeah. Uh, for his people and to go, okay, like you're beginning to see, how the plan for our life probably fits in <laughs> yeah <laughs> to the overall plan of his people yeah that's such a great point and like i think it's one of the questions why we struggle so much with that question is cuz we're looking for answers that aren't totally meant to be there mm-hmm. you know like i don't know like i think god cares about the details of our lives yeah. but the difference between like which school we go to and which company we work for (laughs) and you know, which friends we hang out with. Like that's so secondary to look like, are you fulfilling your purpose as my people? Are you, are you living my kingdom? Are you living in holiness? And are you, are you committed to that in all your spheres of influence? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, it's very simple, but but we're looking yeah. for answers that are more satisfying than that. It's like, but <laughs> like, do you want me to buy this house or this house? Yeah, That's yeah, really yeah. what I'm trying to yeah. get at here, God. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I know, I know that it's all important, God. I know the whole plan is really important, but what's cool district? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I worry about those things too, so yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, judging yeah, anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are definitely worth thinking about. Yeah, yeah. But it is right. Like, I mean, if you want yeah. answers, you just you ask the question, like, well, what does that mean for? Yeah, this purpose and and a lot of times you get better answers than you think if you're asking the right questions yeah. and your motive is mm-hmm. aligned with what God's motive is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's. I mean, now that we're you know we're in Kings, kind of with that being said, what what do you want us to take away mm-hmm. from Exodus? And and you hit obviously on the major themes, and I think you hit on it already, but kind of capturing that again and saying, yeah, what's the takeaway and what do you want us to bring into to this series? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, obviously, like, just, I think, this whole cycle of, again, like, what God is doing and what God is trying to do and what God is trying to create for his people mm-hmm. and then kind of the way we see the resistance to that from his people, right? Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, that begins in, in Genesis, God creates man, yeah. man sins. And then you see really, I mean, you see many cycles of that throughout the patriarchs, but this is, I think, the first big cycle where we see that play out again, where mm-hmm. God restarts things and says, calling you into a relationship, calling you yeah. for a purpose. And then by the end of Exodus and getting into Numbers and Deuteronomy, like you see um, the, the failure to live that. And mm-hmm. so... Um, and I think within that recognizing, you know, God is establishing, he really is saying here as strongly as he can say, like, I'm king, mm-hmm. you know, I am going to lead you. I'm going to be your God. And what starts in Exodus that 
has a big impact on how we view kings is this idea of theocracy mm-hmm. that when we think about the organization just structurally politically socially what is god's design for his people it's i am going to be your king mm-hmm. like i'm going to rule over you and your leaders their job is going to be to discern how i'm ruling mm-hmm. you know and that's the, the flow chart <laughs> right yeah, of yeah. israel is mm-hmm. like god is up up top and um kind of recognizing you know how that happens and and what that's supposed to look like in terms of you know just worship the law mm-hmm. obedience and and all that that entails um i think that's really important yeah. you know because ultimately when we get to first and second samuel and the story of kings it's important to realize what a rejection that is to move into monarchy is a rejection of theocracy. Yeah. And certainly like they, there's a possibility that those Kings will look to God, mm-hmm. but there's not that, that assumption, yeah. right? It's not built into the way they do life. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think recognizing that part of the story is, is, is really big. And again, yeah, just seeing the, the, the depth and the power of I think sin yeah. sinfulness mm-hmm. and, and how much that impacts us and um, you know one of the challenging parts of um, of Exodus is like the whole tenth plague and the Passover narrative yeah. and um, just how how hard it is to see this picture of you know these these firstborn sons of, mm-hmm. of Egypt dying um, but it's also a reminder of you know, this is kind of the weight of, of human sin. And this is, you know, God has to deal with that somehow. And so mm-hmm. he's bringing redemption through that and he's going to bring redemption through that. But there are some um, kind of dark moments beginning here. Yeah, uh, We'll talk about that more, obviously, mm-hmm. in the, or we talked about that more in the, the Joshua podcast. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's that's a theme that obviously begins there. And so. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's just the kind of the beginning of that story. Mm-hmm. That, hey, like, God wants to be king over Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's. It's really helpful that you kind of point out that the the not two different stories, but the parallel between is God is revealing Himself and redeeming His people, saving His people, demonstrating His power. There's this parallel story of the people and how, you know, how much they fail to. Yeah. See that even from the beginning, right? Like you said, going back to Genesis, but even in Exodus, where they literally just left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just rescued them, and they want to go back. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I think just that picture, and and just thematically, how evident that is, right? The writer's not trying to hide it, mask mm-hmm. it, um, but kind of showing you as these two things are happening simultaneously, and yeah, I think painting a clear picture of of the challenge, right. Of kind of this life and what it's like. Yeah. Like it is amazing how, yeah. Like you said, how quickly they forget. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for us, it's so obvious, right? Like God's like, like he literally parted a sea, you know, you watched like a, a whole giant body of water split in half. You walked down the middle of it, you turned around and it all closed up on this huge army that was just about to kill you. Yeah. And a couple of days later, you're like, uh, this is hard. Yeah. We want better food. 
let's go back. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's again, it's it's always easy to laugh at the quote unquote dumb people in the Bible. Yeah. Until you begin to draw parallels to your own life. Right. And like what we've seen in the gospel and what we've seen in the death and resurrection of Jesus, what we've seen in our own lives of just Mm -hmm. God's provision. And then, you know, in the very next moment, like, um, yeah, God, I think I'm going to, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do it my way. You know, I'm going to wear, try to wear the big crown because, um, I want this or I want that. Mm -hmm. And so I think recognizing, recognizing the foolishness, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, when you see it for what it is in the, in this, in other Mm -hmm. people's story Mm -hmm. to recognize like sin is always, it always looks so bad when it's someone else, Yeah, (laughs) you know, and the idea of, you know, taking the big crown for ourselves or, or rejecting God's kingship, it never, ever makes sense. I think, except when it's our own lives and it's our own stuff. Mm -hmm. And when we think we know better. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, and that's something we see throughout throughout the narrative, mm-hmm. and to recognize that cycle is yeah. and to connect it to ourselves is, is huge. I was just thinking it's kind of a, a tangent, but how easy it is when life gets kind of comfortable to want to wear the big crown, mm, yeah. right? When when the Israelites they're under the rule of Egyptians and they're being oppressed and tortured and they want God to wear the big crown, yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah, and then they they walk out. God parts the sea, saves them, and their big struggle is like manna. <laughs> yeah. like, can we get something better? Like <laughs> time to wear the big crown. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, I mean, just side note, but I thought it was it's interesting how that works, right? Yeah, like, that's that's totally I mean, that's that's kind of the pattern though, right? Mm-hmm. Is that when when you need God, you you give him more authority. And then yeah. when you don't think you do, you're like, mm-hmm. Okay, now I'll handle all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, so. I'll take it from here. Yeah, God. yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I want to ask you, with the time remaining, um, just a little bit about Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, before we get to the next podcast. But anything else in Exodus that you want to hit on, touch upon, before we move on? Um, not that I can think of. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> talk uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Right. Yeah. That's what leads up to to Joshua. Yeah. So fill us in. So from a narrative standpoint, those books are going to fill the gap between basically leaving Egypt and getting to the promised land. Mm -hmm. And there's, um, you know, approximately like a 40 year gap there and it's going to explain why. And so that's primarily in the story of numbers, Mm -hmm. which kind of, again, goes deeper into that picture of unfaithfulness, of sin, of doubt, of wanting to do things their own way. And so basically, yeah, what it comes down to is in numbers, they arrive at the promised land. They send some scouts or some spies in to check things out. And those spies come back and they're like, hey, guys, there's some really, really big people <laughs> and really, really big armies and really, really big walls there. Maybe this isn't such a good idea. Mm. Which, again, perfect example of what we were yeah. just talking about is like, you've just seen God yeah. do all this. And you're like, oh, no, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. big people. Yeah. These guys are buff, though, God. Yeah. <laughs> see how tall the walls yeah. are. God can't do anything. Um, and so the people freak out. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Like, why did we come here? You've led us here to die. Yeah. And it's this ultimate moment of just forgetting who God is. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, again, such a great way of 
again, conceptualizing sin is it's one, it's a rejection of God as king, but so much of it is a forgetting. It's just like this kind of subtle drifting back to my own wisdom, my own knowledge, my own understanding. And like, oh, I I forgot Mm. everything that God's done. And so anyway, because of that, God says, hey, you guys don't trust me. You guys aren't willing to follow me. I'm going to have you guys wander in the desert for 40 years until this generation passes on. Yeah. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring in a new generation into the promised land. And the idea here isn't, you know, just to be mean Mm -hmm. or just to be punitive. But once again, this gets into the larger purpose God has, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm trying to start something huge here. Mm -hmm. I'm taking you into Canaan, not just for fun, not just so that you can have a really good life, Mm -hmm. but I'm beginning to build my kingdom here, establish my relationship with you. And this is going to be our home base for being right. Light to the nations, blessing to the nations. And so when you read that numbers narrative through the lens of Canaan is the reward for God's people, it's like, oh, that's so messed up. Mm -hmm, Like, why mm -hmm. don't they get to go in? Yeah. When you read it through the lens of God is bringing them here for a purpose and he's got the most important mission in history at stake. Yeah. It's like, oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah. You can't go into Canaan with these losers. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> like they don't even think you can beat up one army. Yeah. How are you gonna redeem the whole world? Yeah. And so that's kind of the I mean they they didn't even want to go. Right. Yeah. They yeah. don't want to go. They don't mm-hmm. they don't want that purpose. They're like, let's just stay in the wilderness. Yeah. Like we hate manna, but we'll just eat manna forever yeah. rather than risk, you know, anything. At least it's free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that's that's the big narrative mm-hmm. movement. And so then from that point on, they, they're basically spending the next 40 years wandering and ultimately recommitting. Mm-hmm. And so, so going backwards a little bit, Leviticus is basically the law. And that's that's before this kind mm-hmm. of numbers event. And it's again God rebuilding and recreating His people. Um, it's very detailed, yeah. not an interesting read, mm-hmm. but it is amazing when you read through Leviticus and see the way that God is simply building a people that reflect who He is, right? And that idea of us as image bearers mm-hmm. and how significant it is that we are that, yeah. right? That we have the capacity to reflect God to someone who doesn't know him like by being ourselves by being who god has designed us to be we can show someone who who god is like Mm -hmm. how cool is that and so leviticus is really a picture for that time in that culture given what people understood here are some things that are going to help you do that Mm -hmm. we look at that now and they don't totally all make sense to us but there is really a a method to the madness there of these are all things that have meaning in how you live your life and how you spend your time and how you kind of devote yourself to God. And so again, I I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say you shouldn't read Leviticus. It's challenging to read, but if you're able to kind of see it thematically, there's a lot of good stuff there. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it it speaks to this idea of I'm forming you for something, right? Like, these aren't the laws and the rules for you to be loved or whatever. It's I'm, I'm training you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we're going to go out and we're going to try to win this game here. Let's, let's get on the same page. Yeah. 
And so that's Leviticus, then you have Numbers, and then Deuteronomy is kind of this, kind of as they're beginning to look towards the promised land again, it's this recommitment. Mm-hmm. It's kind of restating the covenant. Um, and one of the really cool aspects of Deuteronomy that we also see a little bit in in Exodus and the um, and the Ten Commandments is it's really designed after uh, an ancient type of treaty, which mm-hmm. was called a suzerain vassal treaty. And basically, these treaties were super common in the ancient world where one um, powerful person, a lot of times a king, a lord, some kind of rich benefactor, would take it upon himself to do something for a lower person that that person couldn't do. Hmm. And so they'd enter in this treaty and say, I will do this for you, but here are kind of the stipulations. Here's what I'm asking you to do as we kind of enter into this relationship with each other. And most Old Testament law, like especially Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. um, but also you know the, the Ten Commandments, are absolutely structured that way. Like God is saying, look at what mm-hmm. I have done for you, rescued you from Egypt, brought you to the promise, and here's everything that I can do from you, all the ways I can bless you. Now, here's what I'm asking for you to do. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, here's how you're going to be blessed. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's that's really kind of what Deuteronomy looks like. It's like an extended treaty, kind of just establishing the terms of like, hey, here's what it means that I'm your king. Here's yeah. what I'm going to do for you. But here's what life under me kind of looks like. And here's how to here's how to be my people in a mm-hmm. in a meaningful way and so it's all kind of again it's it's really highlighting this idea that when they get to the promised land in Joshua when they establish this kingdom that's you know that's coming like we've got we've got stuff to do yeah yeah thanks so much i already heard this once and i'm still blown away that it's so what and this is what i really appreciate i genuinely mean this is that when you sit and you read through this it can be challenging right because it's long and there's just a lot going on but you're able to so clearly make visible god's hand Mm. throughout this and that's what i that's what i'm just loving right now is like it's so clear how god's hand has been on his people and he's shown his power He's shown his commitment to them. He's shown his graciousness, his patience, and even just the creativity and how he will use their context to reveal himself in a way that they can understand. Yeah. Right? And as a king, ruler, leader, someone really powerful, general, like it doesn't make sense that they would come down to that level to help someone understand right yeah but as a loving father yeah it makes sense Mm. that he would do that right and i think anyways i mean just your ability to communicate that and i hope you know those who are listening you can see that picture that's being painted you know not not by brandon but by the bible and by god but appreciate you brandon for just your ability to do that i'm amazed and i'm just in awe of the scripture yeah. I'm like, dude, the Bible is awesome. God is awesome. Yeah. This is just the first five chapters. Yeah. And we got a long ways to go. Um, so yeah, I just want to thank you. Yeah. And yeah, thanks, man. Like that response is ultimately like that makes me super happy, right? If if anyone listening to this podcast or listening to these series in the past has come away feeling like, man, 
God is awesome. Mm-hmm. And this story is amazing. Like that makes, that makes me really happy because I do think, I think we miss that so much. Yeah. Like I think there's so much just loss of vitality for us as God's people because like we just, we haven't fully embraced how great this story is mm-hmm. and, and viewing it through the lens of, you know, God, what God wants to do and, and this purpose he has for us and this love that he has for us starting at the very beginning, mm-hmm. it just brings everything to life. Yeah. And I, I don't totally understand why, why it's, why it's so easy to miss that. Mm-hmm. It, but I think a lot of it is just, we just don't, we don't try, you know, we've talked yeah. about that, like yeah. how easy it is for us to kind of ignore the Old Testament mm-hmm. story and kind of accept on face value this idea that it's like, it's less valuable, yeah. different God. I don't like what I see there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's a bummer. And so mm-hmm. it, it's cool that I think we get to, we get to see it in a new light. Yeah. And I think that's, that's just only going to continue um, over the next seven weeks mm-hmm. in this series and over the next still two more years. I mean, yeah. we're, we've got this, we've got some mm-hmm. awesome stuff coming in the next couple of years. I can't wait to do prophets. Like, that's <laughs> like, that's my favorite part of the old Testament. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, anything else? Anything you want to add today? Not that I can think of. I, I remember when we first recorded this, I had something, but I don't remember what it was. So, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. yeah, as far as I remember, I think you, you covered everything and then some. So I'm I'm glad that we were able to re-record yeah. because I think there's added things on it that that made this one even and better. So yeah, yeah, I want to encourage you those you're listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Go ahead and uh, listen to the next one when you're ready. Uh, Brand does an awesome job walking through Joshua and kind of catching us up and really bringing us up to exactly where we are for this Sunday in our King series. So. Hey, thanks. Thanks so much once again, Brandon. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. Hope you enjoyed the podcast.